Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Tom Hayes on Friday, a Friday show, February 12th, 2016. Season, season, it just blows your mind. Show here today. We're with Philly Tony. And today we have live from Las Vegas, the man, the man, and Billy Porter here in Boston. I can see him on the line as well. Rudy Garino, how are you today, Rudy? How are you? And you, and you, you give us the usual answer, Rudy. We live for this every week. Right. I woke up. I got another day. <laughs> Oh, Rudy, what's up, buddy? <laughs> Who's that? Who's that, Billy? Yeah, That's Billy. Who do you think? Yeah, it's me. How are you, Billy? I'm good, buddy. Every day above ground is wonderful. <laughs> how the skippy thing goes? It was awesome. unbelievable. In fact, you know, before we tell you that, I got a short thirty-second thing. A couple of weeks ago, we forgot to do this for you because he actually sang it to you in the club. 30 seconds, we'll be right back with this. Here we go. Or did he just sing the usual one? Oh, I don't remember. That was so fifty years ago. <laughs> well, yeah, so we anyway, to answer your question, we had a fabulous, fabulous day yesterday. Billy, why don't you give your take on it? It was unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I pull up there, I I think I was the first one there and I seen I parked and I seen Skippy open up the store and I'm saying thinking to myself, I'm, I'm walking into a time capsule right now. And, of course, when you get in here, it's like it's a, a, a sanctuary, of, like a museum, an archive museum full of like the greatest R&B soul music. And you're sitting there with a legend. And, of course, Tom and George comes in. It, it, what an amazing day. I mean, Tom can, can tell you more. But it, I was like, I was in my glory. There was like a backdrop on the wall, and I kept looking into it, and I swear I felt like I was looking out the window, and it was 1977 or something. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, you know, he's he's an amazing guy. I didn't realize we got to pick a little bit yesterday, and I'll dig a little deeper into his history and his story. He was about 17, and as he said, he was working in a, a record shop on Mass Ave, and uh, the part he didn't tell us a couple of weeks ago was that he uh, he went to a couple of radio stations, and you probably remember this one, Rudy, WCOP. You remember that one? Uh, vaguely, I think so. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. 
Well, anyway, he went there and asked them if they wanted to play uh, soul music, and they said no. Uh, and then he went to another station, <clears throat> and I uh, got the same reaction. And then finally heard about this station, WILD, which was playing mostly Sinatra. It was an AM station with a limited, uh, could only play during the day. Whoa, hey, wait a minute. You know something? I think we got a, we have a guest. We have a guest. I met this guy yesterday. I hope it's him. I asked him to call in. Patterson, is this you, buddy? Pat, Patterson Riley, right. Just call me Pat. Pat Riley. Okay, Pat. <laughs> Welcome to Pat the uh, podcast. On the air is uh, Rudy Garino and Billy Porter, who was there yesterday with me and Skippy White. Thank you so much okay. for calling in. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? I, when you came through the door, here's this good-looking guy, Rudy. This this guy looked like one of your <laughs> – I could picture him in the day with a broad-brimmed hat and the suit. The whole thing, the fur coat, that's the way this guy walked in the store yesterday with this big, beautiful smile, handsome guy. And I said, hey, you remember the Sugar Shack? And he said, of course I remember the Sugar Shack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so we got, I got him, convinced him to call in today. In fact, I'm going to let him tell you who he knows that worked for you. So, Pat, why don't you talk to Rudy? Right. Hi, Rudy. Okay. I, uh... It's, it's awful, awful nice to hear your voice. Um, we met Thank a couple you. of times in the Sugar Shack. You probably don't remember me because I was I was very young when I used to go there. You know, I was about the same size, at least as tall as I am now, when I was going to the Sugar Shack. But I used to sneak in because I was big. And so what I would do is, uh, um, Tom is right, I always had suits. And I would I would hand the, the person at the door twenty dollars, and they wouldn't ask me any questions, and I would get in. <laughs> you know, I have a I always had a very mature bearing, let's say. Yeah. But uh, one time I was at the Sugar Shack, and I met this lovely, lovely uh, young woman who I found out later worked there. And uh, her name was Othello Jones. Do you recall her? The name sounds familiar. Yeah, they called her Telly. Nobody called her Othello. They called her Telly Jones. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful woman. And uh, we remained friends all through these years. And I told her about uh, running into Tom yesterday. And... uh, you guys need to talk with her. You really do. I just talked to her about an hour and a half ago. She's going to call in probably next week sometime. Oh, wow, that's cool. We'd love to hear her that's story. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, you know, you know, uh, Pat, it's amazing. You're not the first guy. <laughs> Almost every caller we get says, I was underage, but I snuck in. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And it was the same way at Paul's Mall in the jazz workshops. I mean, eventually I was old enough to get in there legally, but uh, like I said, I was about six one, six two, and uh, I always had suits, sports jackets, and I always had a little bit of spending money. And uh, nobody wanted to ask any questions when you flashed that twenty dollar bill. It's funny, man. I have, a, I have. <laughs> my, it's funny. My my oldest son, my oldest son is a businessman, and uh, we go out to eat 
with uh, him and his wife. And if the restaurant is crowded, he will go to the Mater D and he'll give them, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks to get a table. And my wife would say, well, where did he get that from? I said, I don't know, but he got it from me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Money talks. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Like, like son. Well, yeah. that's all we Hey, George Washington was always the way to get in any any open open doors. Well, you yeah. guys are in the business to make money, after all, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you, okay, uh, you guys, Pat? Do you remember any particular groups that stuck out that uh, were your favorite listen, for a special I, night? I can't remember any special nights, um, but I remember. I probably saw the OJs there more than anybody else, only because um, I went to college with a guy who went to high school with Walter. Wow! And I can't remember. I can't remember the guy. I went to college in Ohio for for two years, and I can't remember his friend's name. But I got the chance to meet Walter because of that friendship, and I met all of the OJs, Eddie, of course, and the other fellow who's deceased. But uh, yeah. I saw the the, the Delphonics, Junior Walker, the Dells, the Shylights, the Moments, wow. the Dramatics, <laughs> the wow, Main Ingredient, yeah. Intruders. I mean, Billy Stewart. Almost anyone that was there, I probably saw. Them. Wow. Yeah, it was the hangout, wasn't it? Well, you know, I was thinking that... Um, one of the big things about it was that when I went to college, a lot of my college friends were from New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia. And when any of those groups, like the Delphonics or the Moments, would come up to uh, Boston, I would call them, and they would race their cars up the 95 <laughs> to get there, you know. And they just thought that they just thought that I was a big deal because I had this place to go where these big name acts used to show up, and that was a lot of fun. That was That's a cool. lot of fun. That's yeah, a great really story. Was. Yeah, yeah. Story. You know, it was. I mean, not, that that story, what you just said, speaks to the amazing the, the fact that the Sugar Shack was a mecca. Here, you were pulling yeah. cats from Washington and from New York. Driving all yeah. that way to see a club that didn't that didn't even exist in New York. That's right. Huh. That's right. Wow. It was a big big deal for all of us in Boston, and that's why we uh, frequented it so much. Because probably we probably would. realized, even as young kids, that it wasn't going to last forever. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, that was part of it. Was that you had to grab it for what it was worth at the time. Uh, right. And, and, yeah. And why don't you talk a little bit about? I mean, it wasn't just the acts as we're talking. It was, it was the place. I mean, what a great atmosphere. It was. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, it was very mellow. Everyone was very friendly. Um, everyone was on their best behavior. You know, I never saw anything even close to a fight there. Um, it was just a nice, nice place to be. And, of course, for a young kid, it was very exciting to be with older people who were, were down there. 
you could see how they act and how they carried themselves, and um, you wanted to be like them, you know? Yeah, wow. it's true. You know, it, it, that's the other thing is the demographic spread from underage people uh, 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 to, <laughs> to all the way up to 60, 70, 80 years old. Anybody who could make it. I know, I know. Yeah. And I think one of the things you're saying right now is that uh, there was a, and of course it was a club, it was a nightclub, but there was a club atmosphere is that when you went and got in, you felt like you belonged. I mean, that you exactly. had made it past, right? Exactly. And you got to know the people that worked there as well as you made friends with people who would always be there. And so if it was a... Um, the Dramatics or or the Dells or, or the OJs or someone, you could bet that people that you had seen there for Billy Stewart would have been down there for that group as well. And then, of course, you know, you wanted to, sometimes you wanted to get there early when it was a really big group with a really hot record so you could be as close to them as possible. And sometimes you would just go because you wanted to, to see and be seen and it wasn't as important to uh, to watch the group, you know? Exactly. Wow. That's, that's a good that's point. Cool. Yeah, you know, that's a very good point. One yeah, of the things yeah, I yeah. remember about the Sugar Shack was, uh, and this will probably get me in trouble if my wife hears this, but <laughs> <laughs> one, of the things, one of the things that I remember is that even when I was of age, uh, 21, 22, I never brought, the people that I was dating to the sugar shack. I always <laughs> I, I always came by myself over a group of guys. <laughs> now I can't I can't say that I never brought a date there because that wouldn't be true. But I really can't remember I really remember more times going there by myself. Almost yeah. I, I'd say I'd say between eighty and ninety percent of the time I was there by myself. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's how I was able to meet Othello because um, I was there by myself, and um, she was there, and she wasn't working that evening. She was just there to see a particular group, and I really can't tell you what what name of that group that was, but she was sitting at a table by herself, and the light, you know, the lights that you guys had down there for whatever reason was shining on her. And I said, boy, that's a beautiful girl. And I went over and I said, I said, yeah. uh, is anyone? I actually, actually, I, wa- I waited for a moment to see if if she had a date, but she was so alone there. And I said, this woman can't be by herself. And after a few minutes, I, I realized she was by herself. And wow. I walked over and I said, uh, is anyone sitting here? Can I sit here? And she said, of course. And we struck up a conversation from that point on. We we got a picture taken by someone. I think her name was Lil. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you, you remember her? See if you can find that Lil. She's got a ton of pictures from the Sugar Shack. Sugar Shack's still Lil. alive? I don't know. I hope so. But was that her name, Sugar Shack Lil? Yeah. She yes. used to take the pictures. Yeah. yeah. And there was another guy, Sugar Shack Otis. He might have come before That's her. Right. He was there in the early stages. Yeah. Sugar Shack wow. Otis? Sugar Shack yeah, Otis. yeah, yeah. Sugar Shack Otis, I got one more. I got one more. <laughs> this is at like 7 o'clock at night. I just got one more. 
Okay. Okay. Pocket full of film. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so did you? I mean, you're skirting around the issue, and you probably don't want your wife to hate us. Did you and uh, Tal become a, a a couple? We dated for a short while, and then we just drifted yeah. apart. And yeah. uh, but we always uh, stayed in touch, and we've been friends all these years. Wow. Let me ask you something. I always ask people. Well, it's funny because you say, I've heard this from my friends who went there, and you just said it, that you didn't bring a date. Now, there was two reasons for that. One was the guy said, I wasn't going to bring her so they could go fall in love with the OJs. (laughs) (laughs) No. First of all, to answer that question, uh, you heard Tom describe me. So anybody that I brought down there, they weren't going to fall in love with any of the people that were sitting down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that right now. The second reason that I was down there was to find more young girls to date, not to bring yeah, dates down exactly. there. exactly. So, you know, and, and the the ladies. I mean, here I was, this little white kid from uh, <clears throat> from Roxbury, and I went in there. And I always went in there. And I tell people it was dangerous to go in there with a date because you weren't working out of there. If that was your first date, you were going to be in love by the time yeah. you walked out <laughs> because yeah. that music that music would make you fall in love. Certainly, right? certainly, <laughs> yeah. You know, but. Um, Geez, you know, once, you know, by going there, like I said, there was this club atmosphere. After they got to see us for a couple of weeks, even with my, you know, the gal who later became my wife, you know, mm-hmm. they'd come over and they'd say, come on, boy, you got to learn how to dance, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd tell her, you just wait here, we'll bring them back. And they would bring me up and they would show me all the moves. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just that, that what an amazing place. Um, it was. You know, of course, I, the odds were, you know, it was a black club, and you know, to go there, I never, I never went there. I did go there a couple of times with a couple of guys, but it was always with a date. But I mean, Rudy always talks about what happened at, at two o'clock in the morning. Rudy, they ran to the doors. Tell, tell Pat. Oh, uh, well, after the show was over on the second show, uh, as soon as the lights went up, boom, everybody just ran out and go to their parties. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, one of the uh, we talked to Larry Moore, I think his name is from the Main Ingredient, and he said, Mm -hmm. "Man, we made baby." It was the first time we heard it. We hear it all the time. In fact, Reginald uh, said it yesterday. The uh, saxophone. Oh, I I don't think you were there. We had the uh, saxophone player who played for Harold Melvin walked in a little bit after you, and uh, he was telling us it's always the same term: baby making music. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I can see how that could happen. <laughs> I still have, you know, I still have almost, I have all of the albums. Somehow I, 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 the 45s must have got separated, you know, in my many moves around Boston. But I do have all the albums from those uh, groups that I saw there. Now, did you meet your wife at the Sugar Shack, or how that? What happened? There? No, no, we met uh, in college. I, I transferred back to um, to UMass Boston uh, as a as a junior, and I met her 
um, at a party at Boston University. Okay, now, did you ever take her to the shack? You know, I'd have to say that I did, um, but it was probably it was probably in the um, in the seventies as opposed to the late sixties and the early seventies. We were probably yeah. married by then. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's funny. Now yeah, I was, you I mentioned was one group. Fellow fellow. Huh? Go ahead. I was probably on my way to becoming a mellow fellow by that point. (laughs) (laughs) You you had sown your sugar shack seeds. Exactly. (laughs) So you mentioned one group, and I I think if there was one group, I mean, obviously the OJs, they were there so much. Yeah. There's one group that, to me, was the signature group for one particular song, and you mentioned the group, the Dells. Yeah, yeah. You remember the I song say, that was this? Um, go ahead. I would say "Stay in My Corner." Yeah, there you go. There you go, right, Rudy? Let's <laughs> <laughs> play when Rudy says we would all run out of there to go to our parties, that's what we all wanted to listen to. We wanted to listen to Stay in My Corner, the extended version, and grab uh, the sweetest girl that we could and, and dance those six minutes, ten seconds with her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, you're right. I mean, if you could capture any moment to me that was you know, epitomized, the essence of the Sugar Shack, it was that song when they held that note. And yes. I forget who told us they could hold that note for 21 seconds. Yeah, it seemed like 21 minutes. I know. And the place would go crazy. 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 Yeah. Crazy. At the end. Also, the. I don't mean to interrupt, but the Dells had another big record, Oh, What a Night. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's on my list. Oh, What a Night, uh, There Is, Always Together. Um, right. I have them all, but but if you want to name one song by them, the Stay in My Corner was it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Stay in was the big one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one night they handed the mic to some. There was one cat who hung in there, and he must have sang with one of the local groups. He had a voice like yeah. Eddie Kendricks, and they handed him the mic, and he he went off, and the whole band did a double take. Really? And looked at the really? guy. Oh, yeah, looked at the guy who handed him the mic as to say, are you crazy? Get that mic. They grabbed that microphone back and said, that's enough. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, like there were some amazing moments. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I didn't get to tell you this, but that place impressed me so much that for 40 years I have been speaking about the fact that I would love to do a movie about Mm -hmm. the Sugar Shack, thinking, you know, a movie, but I couldn't put my head around how I would tell the story. And First of all, how could you possibly recapture the feeling, the amazing feeling of that room? And then... I started to take classes at Apple, and that's where I met George, and George is a documentarian, and he said, let's do a documentary, and one thing led to another. There's a certain magic to, you know, in fact, I was thinking about this morning. There are certain things that come along in time and on the planet that you just say to yourself, it was time for that to happen, and Rudy, I don't, he didn't, didn't tell the whole story, but I'll just encapsulate it. 
he fell into the, the sugar shack. He he was really? on his way to doing a bunch of other things and got down to uh, Miami, and he saw um, – threw um, <laughs> a blank on his name. Billy, help me out. Wayne yeah, Jerry Vale. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne Cochran, and he, he wanted to do Jerry soul Vail. music. And yeah. he brought Wayne up, and he brought a couple of other acts, and the next thing you know, he had a soul music club. And it happened, okay. and, you know, it was meant to be. So Rudy was in Miami at that time? Well, no, yeah, he was in Boston, but he uh, was traveling. Go ahead, Rudy, you tell the story. I was uh, on my way from Vegas to Miami, and uh, I was with the singer Jerry Vale. We uh, just got through in Vegas. Sure. We d- we drove to, to Miami, and then he flew home, and uh, I stopped into the Well, there was a... It's a funny thing, Jackie Gleason, the 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 movie star, and he had the show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he says uh, the most amazing thing in my lifetime. He says I walked into the barn and I saw this this uh, this act, and it drove him out of his mind. He couldn't believe what he saw, and uh, he invited him on his show and everything. So. When I saw the take, I says, I went in the barn and I saw this guy and I says, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I says, are these his songs? Did he write the songs that he was singing? So the doorman told me, no, uh, that's Sam and Dave, Wilson Pickett, and James oh, okay. So I says, who the hell are these guys? Yeah. So, so I started investigating because I was carried away with the music. Sure. When I came back, I started looking up Billboard and started reading up on the soul music, and uh, I found out that soul soul was pretty uh, active in the Boston area at that time. Okay, okay. They had local groups. One of the local groups was Sonny. Sonny used to work at a club at uh, Kenmore Square, and he, okay. he was out of soul. So then I start checking on these guys that had the hits. And before you know it, uh, I start calling the agencies, and uh, and the prices were reasonable. So I said, "See, I got to get a, I, oh, we got to get a club and start bringing in the real soul acts." Mm-hmm. And that's how it started. So we got a break. We got a club. Fell into a club, and before you know it, one of the guys wanted to make a dating bar. I said, ah, I think it's too big for a dating bar. I'd like to make a nightclub. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, uh, they agreed up to a point. Uh, we ended up with uh, Wayne Cochran to open, and for two weeks it was nothing but a riot. It was a riot uh-huh. like Jackie Gleason claimed. And that's it. Then we went on from there. Now, what year was that, Rudy? 67. 67, wow. September of 67, just when the schools went back. We had Wayne Cochran. Okay. All the college kids in the in Boston were there. You couldn't get in the place. Mm-hmm. But soon, yeah. Yeah, Boston has a lot of young people, uh, September to uh, May. Yeah. yeah, and it's uh, you know, and and so as it was 
meant to be. The Sugar Shack was, I mean, it was such a phenomenon. Every single group we talked to say there was no place like it. They said the only place even close was the Apollo, but the Apollo was too big. It was a, a concert hall. And, yeah, that's right. uh, but nothing had the atmosphere or the intimacy that the Sugar Shack yep. has. Yeah, and that's why my friends used to come up from uh, New York and New Jersey and Philadelphia and D.C. Because yeah, exactly. you, couldn't, you couldn't meld, you couldn't meld the the atmosphere of the nightclub to the acts that were that were performing. Either you had the acts and a big venue, or a nice club and you know just the local talent. But the Sugar Shack had both. Exactly. And the other thing is, you know, I tell, uh, I've mentioned a couple of times on the show, if those same acts were playing in the suburbs, say, and a couple of them did. They, say if they were playing, well, even when it went out to Framingham, it wasn't mm-hmm. the same because they were playing to predominantly white audiences, and right. the white audiences didn't, although they appreciated the acts, they didn't react the way that the Sugar Shack audiences reacted. That's true. That's true. I mean, you know, the, the, the animation and the response at the Sugar Shack was out, you know, like I say, off the charts. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about another group. We talk about the OJs. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember uh, uh, Eddie Levert used to leave the stage and walk through yeah. the audience singing a cappella? Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, such a, that was another amazing moment. Yeah, he was very personal. Eddie had a lot of soul in him when he started when he started taking off. He did. He he would always give you your money's worth. Oh yeah, you know, like I said, he would. It was the song was I had to remind him of the song, and he finally when we interviewed him and we had a camera on him, he remembered. It was called "Missing You," and he'd he'd take he, by that time he'd be sweating so much on stage. Off would come the jacket, yeah, and he'd have that white tuxedo shirt on, and it'd be open down yeah. to his chest. And it and it come in and it step off the stage, walking through the place, a cappella singing, I love you more and more every day. I miss you, miss you in every way. And I'm yeah. missing you. I'm missing you. And my <laughs> God, with the women, he was lucky he made it through the place. The women would go yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great show. I was there yeah. for that many yeah. times. Yeah. And one and, thing uh, that there was never a disturbance there. No, that's what I, I said to Tom. Uh, there was never any problem there, ever. All right, right. Tom. Is exactly. It, you know, and I tell people the scariest part, because at times that area, because it was so close to the combat zone, was, and Boston wasn't Boston that it is today with tons of people on the street. There was almost right. nobody between where you parked the car until you made it to the sh- You felt safe once you hit the sugar shack. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, and then when you got in there, but Rudy and I talk about it every week. We say you had such a mix of characters. You had gangsters. You know, one of the bartenders gave us a great tagline. He said, um, hookers, pimps, gangsters, celebrities, and the greatest music groups in the world, the Sugar Shack. <laughs> and and that mix of people was like mixing gasoline. And, yeah. you know, if anybody just dropped a match, ba-boom, that place could have gone off. Yeah, you know, and I think I that you, that was part of the excitement. Rudy, tell yeah, them how you felt every night when you did close up. You said, "Thank God." Yeah, well, what a relief! It was like a, 
a building on my shoulders that the place didn't blow up. For 10 years, I was always worried about a blow-up. When did the the Sugar Shack close, Rudy? Well, it didn't close. The combat zone got so bad that my friend of mine uh, uh, had the the Hotel Somerset and uh, up at Kenmore Square and he invited me to move the club up there. Okay. So I, I jumped on the deal because I was trying to get out of that combat zone. Okay. And, uh, and when we went there, uh, it was unbelievable. The place took off again like a bat out of hell, and uh, we were there for about nine months, and all of a sudden the place went bankrupt. Okay. And I locked the door and threw everybody out. Wow. That's how the sugar shack disappeared. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I never knew that. I never knew that. Yeah. Did you, hey, um, Pat, did you see James Brown there? I did not. No, I did not. Interesting. That had to be yeah. one of the most amazing nights when he walked in that place. I mean, it was, now he had been at the Boston Garden <laughs> like a couple of weeks before. Yeah, I was, uh, that and that time I was in school in Ohio, so I missed that too. Yeah, you know, uh, I think the fact that you know, he, you know, I said to Eddie Levert and to some of the other groups, the amazing thing to me was here was, you know, these cats came through there developing their act when they didn't have hits, then they got hits, and then they were right. national acts, but they still came back to the Sugar Shack. That's right. That's right. Yep. Some of them had a lot of staying power, and some of them didn't. But right. when we were there, they were all big deals to us. They were all, oh, of course, all huge to us, you know. Well, of course, and then they—I mean—they put it on when they came to that club. They really did. They really did. Wow, was, they worked was unbelievable. They worked their hearts out when they were there. They were unreal. That was yeah, like yeah. a show. Yeah, of course it was. Well, you know, I'm an entertainer too, and there's certain rooms have a certain thing, and when there's a magic to a room, it's like, you know, like the perfect car, like the 1957 Chevy. I mean, when all of a sudden that car showed up, and everybody went, "Wow, that's the car!" And exactly. when you get into a room that's tight, and you know the acoustics are right, and it's usually a room that's brick and combination of brick and wood, which was the shack. And right. and you were the people were right on top of you. That's when the, the electricity happens. Yeah, it's a good you know, idea, it, Tom. I think you'll be very successful. There was, a, there was a Sugar Shack reunion about 2010. Um, I wasn't able to go to it, but um, I think it was well attended here in Boston. Really? Um, where did was, where, where did they do that? Oh, I'd have to go back and look in my file at home, but there's a card um, that I have. It was We have this thing in Boston called uh, Juneteenth, which is uh, it, uh, is around uh, the, the commemoration of when the slaves in Texas were freed, told they were freed, which was two years after emancipation. And so Juneteenth and uh, Boston Day, well, Roxbury Day happens in uh, June, 
And it was around that time that they had this uh, Sugar Shack reunion. Wow. Um, but if I have How about that, Rudy? Wow. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. They remember the old Sugar Shack. We're trying oh, to have yeah. a reunion. Now we're trying to get together and have a soul festival with all the acts. Really? Yeah, we're looking for some finance, uh, some sponsors like uh, the beer company. Or the beverage company. And what do you think that's going to be held? Well, well we're going to see how the uh, reaction to the um, documentary. I, you know, I'd love to talk to you more about, you know, whoever organized that thing because we haven't. The black community doesn't even know that we're doing this yet. Yeah. And I think once they find out, I think they're really going to get behind it because I think people would just love to reminisce and go back sure. to. Because you just, like I mentioned it to you yesterday, you can't say Sugar Shack to anybody who was there and not see their eyes light up. Yeah, and I certainly have a number of friends who still live in Boston that could probably talk about it at length just like I am. Oh, yeah. Well, you I don't know, know if I went interested to. interested in talking, but I could ask them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we went to we got to see um, the OJ's and um, uh, to see Gladys Knight at uh, the Wilbur. I mean, at the uh, Wang, and uh-huh. uh, the OJ's did that bit where they introduced the band. Yeah. And so they w- introduced Walter Williams, and he says, you know, he says, I want to. Talk about he says Boston, 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 all the great memories of the Boston, and he mentioned some club in Cambridge where they started. And he says, and of course, he says, how can you mention Boston and soul music and you don't mention the Sugar Shack? And I'll tell you, about half of that audience screamed and yelled and applauded. See, yeah, it's a huge, huge deal, huge deal. Yeah, yeah, and I think the story. Go ahead. My younger brother, uh, he's about six years younger than me, and he never went there. At least I don't remember him being there. But um, he found he found uh, some information about Ruby on uh, Facebook, and he sent me uh, a bunch of pictures of uh, of Rudy and uh, people who worked there and groups and pictures that were taken back in those uh, Sugar Shack days. So. Um, that information is out there. Yeah. Did now? Do you have those, or those are just internet files? Yeah, I don't have anything because I don't. Do oh, okay, Facebook. okay, <laughs> okay. But I just happened to see it. My brother uh, showed it to me. Well, um, Sugar uh, Rudy has a Sugar Shack Boston uh, Facebook page, and a lot of those pictures are there. Yeah, and Brian. I think that's what Brian found. Um, yeah. He called me yeah. all excited, knowing that I spent. <laughs> A lot of money. Well, again, there's a there's a whole magic to this thing. Here, uh, George and I were talking about two years. I had no idea how we'd get the research or how would the only way we thought we might be able to even approach it is to try and contact the groups individually. And then all of a sudden, uh, Billy and I connected. One of my friends from Roxbury called me and said, aren't you going to do a podcast about the Sugar Shack? And I said, yeah, and he had one of the guys who used to go there, and I did a little poster, looked for a place to post it, and I found uh, Rudy Garino was still around, and then Billy is doing a writing a play. We're going to write a play together called uh, Back to the Sugar Shack. Really? 
Yeah, and uh, yeah. I think it's all. And all of this is coming again. It's we're all connected, all met at the fiftieth year point of this thing, which is incredible in and of itself. Oh, uh, and we've we've already been to Las Vegas. We spent two or three days with Rudy and his family, and we did a great shoot out there in one of the local bars, and uh, got some great footage and stories. And okay. uh, so this thing keeps building. I mean, it's going to be quite. You know, we've got over four or five hours of content right now. Okay. So uh, it's it's going to happen. So I'd love to stay in touch with you and see if we can connect with some of the shakers and movers, especially find out the people who put that reunion together. Cause, okay. Because, uh, yeah, once we can go to them for a little support, and, and I think people are going to really get excited about what we have to say. I think they will too, Tom. Well, Pat, this is great. We saw you. I mean, you walked in with that... Uh, that spectacular face and that big smile, and uh, <laughs> I said that that's hat. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm glad I'm glad you approached me because uh, I was really moving fast. And, yeah, you were. Uh, you were. And uh, Skippy, we got a great story out of Skippy. Man, his story is amazing. Now, how, what is his connection to the Sugar Shack other than maybe? Well, it wasn't uh, except that he had been there. But, you know, we had a, there's a great podcast that Rudy and I did with Skippy and Billy did as well a couple of weeks ago. And it's, mm -hmm. I, I, wouldn't you say, Rudy, that was probably the best show we ever did that uh, time with, uh, sure. with, with Skippy White? Right, it was great. And, uh, we got along very good, even though we never met. But we knew a lot of friends uh, that we had. Yep. It was unreal and, with that uh, Skippy White uh, podcast. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it's an archive. I mean, it's something for history. I mean, you know, when we, we really are doing this, approaching this whole project, we, we want to produce something that's worthy of going into uh, the Library of Congress. I mean, I'm serious nice. about that. I mean, I think nice. this is such nice. a beautiful piece of history. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's you know, timely probably too because uh, you know people are looking for this kind of stuff, and the new media brings it all together very easily. Exactly. Well, yeah. you know it's funny you mention that because you know one of the first things that we don't even try to elicit it or solicit it, but the 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 actual groups will say you know man. Nobody's doing the music that we did then. That that music yeah. is dead gone, and it needs to come back. Right. Right. In right. fact. We played a song by Gladys. She does about a 13-minute tribute to the old school. Yeah, okay. And she, and throughout the song, right, Rudy? She keeps yelling, "We got to bring, we got to get back. We got to get back to the love. We got to get back because that music. You know that back thing about the Sugar Shack, Pat was. It was when you got in there. It was about love. It, it was. It was. Billy and I talked about it the first time we met. It was about harmony. It was the yep. harmony of the music the and harmony. the harmony of the club, the harmony of everybody getting together for one reason, to celebrate the, that beautiful music. Yeah. It was just a great time. So that's and what I say all the time. The, the mixture of people that were there, college kids, pimps, hoes, gangsters, yeah. killers, <laughs> yeah. all got along. When the music yep. went yep. off, everybody was in heaven. Yep. It you was, know, it um, was 
It was like a tranquilizer drink. As as <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's true, because yeah. when we play those musics like Stay in My Corner and, uh, you know, You Are My Shining Star and, uh, you know, Today I Saw There's Somebody so Who Looked Just God. Like You, you know, mm. you can't help but fall in love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. That music was dynamite. It carried me away. It, yeah. You know, I used to pick winners like uh, I'd hear the record on Wild, W-I-R-D, and uh, I'd pick it. I'd say, this record is going to number one. I caught uh-huh. about four number one hits by the time they came to the Sugar Shack. One really? of them was Junior Walker and the All-Star. What does Great it take love or something yeah yeah yeah. in fact i just loaded that we're going to play that a little later but um you know skippy here's the amazing thing we found out about skippy what he was working in a um, music store uh, a record store on mass ave and he yeah oh hey wait a minute i think we might no well i thought we were going to have another i thought we're going to get reggie to call in i guess we didn't anyway um it, it was uh oh this <laughs> he's calling in but he called it hang on guys let me see if i can get him to call the right number hang on <laughs> hello hello yeah okay yeah. we got you uh, yeah that was reginald he's going to call in He's the uh, okay. saxophone player for the Mel- Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, and okay. uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I forget where I was going until that happened. But uh, oh, he told us he he went to WYLD and convinced them he was the one who started the black format on WYLD. Is that right? Yeah, he, yeah, he did that himself. Wow! And it was based on his passion. For, for R and B. That's crazy. Yeah, of course it is. It's just such a such. Well, here's here's Reggie now. Hang on, just that's going to be fun. Here we go. Hey, Reggie. What's up, Tom? <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Okay, listen. On the air, we have the one and only Rudy Garino from Las Vegas. We also have uh, Pat Riley, who was pulled into the. Sh- uh, to, to Skippy's yesterday, just before you and Pat was a he was a patron of the Sugar Shack, so he saw you guys when you were there. And uh, Billy God Porter, who was with me yesterday, you remember Billy and myself. Right, so right. I'll introduce you to the radio audience that this is the cat who played saxophone for years with Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, and played for a group called the Ecuadors out of what Philly, yeah. right? Yeah, that was yeah, the Ecuadors, and then notes. then the Blue Notes before it was Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, you, you 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 hit that, that nail on the head. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna let you wrap on a little bit about you know. The, first of all, say hi to Rudy. Rudy, say hi to Reggie. Rudy. Reggie, how are ya? Just fine, and uh, good afternoon. Almost said good morning. Tom, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm at work, and I'm losing my lunch hours. So. You know, okay, Pat, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. All right, Tom, thanks. Take care, Rudy. Hey, take care, Pat. Bye-bye. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. 
So go ahead, uh, Reggie. Uh, well, what do you uh, what do you want me to start? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, God, you know, you told the history. Tell Rudy a little bit about how you you were like 17 years old and you were playing saxophone. Tell us tell us the whole story. We'll get it. This is gonna these well, podcasts um, never go away. My, you know, you're going down in history my, my, on this one. Yeah, my first professional group was a group called the Ecuadors out of Philadelphia, and uh, we were like high school buddies. And this is the uh, the late 50s. Uh, we all graduated uh, from high. Well, I graduated in '58 from a school called Edison High enough uh, in Philadelphia, and I was with a group of young men that uh, we collaborated and we rehearsed and we rehearsed and we tried to dupe all of the uh, groups that, that were popular at that time: the Flamingos, the Moonglows, the Dells, and uh, the Coasters, and all the rest of them. Anyway, we got a lucky. We uh, bugged uh, this jockey named Lloyd Fatman at WHAT, and we just pestered him and pestered him and pestered him until he uh, just turned around and said, well, what the hell you want me to do with you guys? He said, man, we need your help. So back in those days, somehow or another, he uh, negotiated uh, with RSA and Victor, but Patrice, I remember his name. His name's Eddie Heller. Before I know it, we were in New York recording for RCA Victor. First black cats that would record R&B for, for for Victor. So uh, hey, we were, <laughs> we thought we were big time. <laughs> we were with the dog. <laughs> big were. Time. <laughs> 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 we were. With, we finally, we finally went to the dogs. <laughs> uh, and Alan Turner, the lead singer of the group, he uh, had penned a tune called Sputnik Dance. It's not black cats from North really trying to go, get to the moon. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, we they they they, they gave us uh, they they let us record four songs, but they put it on an EP. Those of you that don't know what the EP is, that's it's an extended play of a forty-five. It's two sides on each side, and uh, it was a group called the Twin Tones or somebody. They had a song. I had a sweetheart, and name Joe, and it's over a million, but. Uh, the only problem with that was the records in those days were what, they were what, what sixty nine cents, seventy nine cents. The EP cost I think a dollar thirty nine, dollar forty nine. So the that was out of the uh, the range of a lot of teenagers back in those days. But uh, they threw it out anyway. Then it was another problem. The DJ, uh, if he didn't get the needle up off the record uh, in time, he would go into the next record. So. I think RCA Victor, I remember, they made special copies uh, of, the, of the four tunes singles so that uh, the DJ wouldn't have to be stumbling and uh, trying to get the uh, needle off the record before he went into the next tune. Hmm. We toured with uh, Frankie Lyman, Monotones, uh, Dickie Doing the Dunks, uh, Jimmy McCracken. Uh, that was our first big tour, uh, and uh, I guess some other cats I can't even remember, but uh, I remember Frankie Lyman. Frankie Lyman, hey, wow! Uh, oh yeah, uh, he, he 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 left the teenagers, and he borrowed my Wild Root Cream All, and I never got it back. <laughs> I'm serious, man. <laughs> this cat's making eight hundred. Uh, <laughs> 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 My process was dry. 
I'm serious. I never <laughs> forgave Frankie Lyman for taking my wild root cream oil, you know. And, uh, <laughs> see, black cats back in those days, we had a thing with a hairstyle called the process. You process your hair for woolly to make it straight. And you right. eat wild root cream oil to uh, keep it oiled and moist, else it would fall out. <laughs> That's right. So, That's right. Yeah. To this day, God bless the dead. Frankie, if I ever see you again, I want my wild root cream oil. Yeah, I want my cream oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm trying to find a tube of that stuff. Oh, oh man. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it came in the bottle. Yeah, it did come in the tube, come to think about it. Right, right, right. right. That's right. That's a great That's story. Right. Anyway, we, we uh, after the, the, the record um, fell off the charts uh, in a – well, what are we going to do now? So we went downtown Philadelphia, and uh, we uh, found a cat named, uh, no, our, our booking theatrical, Jolly Joyce, the Jolly Joyce Theatrical Booking Agency. And they had cats that they were booking back in those days, like Bill Hilly and the Comets, uh, Rock Around the Clock. I think that was a, their big hit. And that was, a, that was, that was a, a real big hit. They had cats like Steve Gibson and the Red Caps, the Creneers, uh, and I think they would book the Flamingos and, you know, uh, whoever was kind of hot or had a a very good act. And we convinced, we kept bugging them and bugging them. So he didn't take us under his wing. He gave us to his son, Jolly Joyce. They uh, <clears throat> had a theatrical booking agent in the 1000 block of Chestnut Street, Center City, Philadelphia. And he sent us to Scranton, Pennsylvania. And that was our first, uh, I think I made, but forty bucks for that week, wow. Oh, wow. you know, forty bucks, man. And uh, wow, my daddy got jealous because I made more money than he did that week. He said, "Boy, he, what are you going to do? Blowing that one end of that horn and sleeping the other?" <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I blew <laughs> one into that horn, and I slept in the oven. Anyway, yeah. we uh, he kept us working. We was all up and down the East Coast. Uh, we did Canada, Montreal, uh, Quebec, and uh, we did the uh, oh god, what was it? Joey Dean and Starlight is what's in it? The Peppermint Lounge. Oh, yeah, we Peppermint Twist. Yeah, 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 we yeah we uh, we uh, used to go to uh, Joey's uh, house in. Uh, Somewhere in Teaneck, New Jersey. I think it was Teaneck, New Jersey. Anyway, right. uh, we used to do shows with him. And uh, he would invite us over to his house to uh, have a big bowl of spaghetti. Boy, we'd dive in there because <laughs> we wouldn't make it a whole lot of money. <laughs> but uh, his mama sure could cook. And if, uh, this was back in the, this the 50s. And there was a club up the street called the Wagon Wheel. What was that the Wagon Wheel? Up the street from the Peppermint, uh, the Peppermint, uh, Give the club, Peppermint Lounge, Peppermint Lounge, New York. Right. And, uh, wow. They, like I said, the Norman and Jolly, they kept us, they kept us working. And uh, uh, we'd be down in Merlin, where we'd have to, when we come off the stage, we'd have to go in the back with the beer, with the beer crates, because we weren't allowed to sit at the bar. And uh, that was, I, I forget the name of the club, but uh, uh, it was called the name of the club was called the Pig and Whistle. 
right across to right after you got out of Washington D.C. I think that's Merlin. They're picking this one. That's another one of those clubs that I remember. Anyway, mm-hmm. I hung with the guys for as long as I could. And I, I I went to California. I stayed out there for a couple of years. When I came back, I rejoined the group, and uh, they were doing pretty good then. We would we we had to open up for what's her name, uh, Donna Washington in Atlantic City. Uh, Carmen McRae, the next. In fact, I think the name of the club was called the, the Penguin Club, Atlantic and Virginia Avenues, uh, as we be the modern ink spots then because Norman had changed the name. Uh, he thought he could make more money, and, and the lie was he'd make one of the guys, the the, uh, the nephew of Bill Kenny. That was a lie, but we got over <laughs> right. <laughs> we only sang one ink spot tune that was if I didn't care. <laughs> and, and the the rest of the stuff with the moon clothes, the spaniels and whoever else had a hit. <laughs> and we we finagled through that. Anyway he got us a gig at the five hundred club. And that was big time. This was before gambling in the casinos in uh, Atlantic City. That's Atlantic City, five hundred club. Yeah. Yeah, the five hundred club, that was the thing. The five hundred club on the uh on, on 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 with the big boys, Frank and the the pack used to hang out there and Sammy Davis, you know, the the the, the rat pack used to hang out there. And uh hey, uh, we thought we were big time. Then I found out that there was a group that I knew from Philadelphia called the Blue Notes that I really loved all my life. I'd watched these guys rehearse they was to rehearse about a block away from where I was raised at, and uh, the group had broke up, and Howl Marvin was a part of the original Blue Notes. A lot of people don't know that. Howl Marvin and the Blue Notes are not the original Blue Notes. The Blue mm-hmm. Notes were uh, started in 1954, 53, so we're back in there. And uh, they were on Josie Records, and they had a hit called If You Love Me. It's a theme from The Chocolate Soldier. And uh had a little problem uh dealing with new uh with that label because Speedo and the Cadillacs, they had all the hits. I think they got a little jealous when the Blue Notes came and uh, and had that one hit and uh it caused a uh, uh they weren't quite comfortable with the Blue Notes coming coming up from Philadelphia and it was anyway. They only did one one record with uh Josie Records out of uh, out of New York. And uh, they were happy with the one hit. And Speedo and the Cadillacs were happy that we, they, they, they went home. It was some serious competition. Anyway, the, uh, I think about a year or so later, they had another hit called My Hero. I forget what label. I have to call Skippy and ask him about that. Skippy White, my buddy. Uh, and uh, it did uh, fairly well. And that's when Harold Melvin, one of the guys quit, got mad and quit. He didn't want to be on the road. His wife didn't want him on the road or whatever. That's when Harold became uh, one well, of the we played, They were just uh-huh. the Blue Notes. Yeah. Were, were uh, but this is the original Blue Notes. And, uh, yeah, uh came to the Sugar Shack, they were just the Blue Notes. Were you part of yeah, that well, group? Yes, See, the Blue Notes that I'm talking about, you guys never seen. When the when the blue note when the when the uh, the uh, the original blue notes broke up, Hal went 
up in the neighborhood, and he found a group called the uh, the Court Steppers, and that's who became the second resurrection of the Blue Notes. See, wow. the first resurrection, second resurrection, uh, and uh, that's the Blue Notes that you guys know. This is prior to Teddy Pendergrass, John Atkins, Hal Melvin, uh, Bernard Wilson, and uh, Lawrence Brown. They, they were the four singers. Uh, Lloyd? Uh, uh, Lloyd didn't come along in the picture until uh, uh, way after the, 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 the second resurrection had started. We were working all up and down the East Coast. I forgot the name of the East Neighbor Book and us. But we went to some of the same places that I'd already been with Ecuador's in Canada and what have you. And when the club rolled, and when we walked in, he said, I remember you. And the guys would look at each other like, this mother. He's been here before with Ecuador. He's a little short. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, a lot of places that the Ecuador's played, I repeated it with the Blue Notes on their way, you know, trying to um, get established as the second resurrection of the Blue Notes. Oh, okay. And, uh, wow. okay, uh, the guy, whoever penned uh, the, the tune, Soul Serenade, whoever wrote the song, I cannot think of this guy's name to, to till the day. I know King Curtis had a big instrumental hit off of it. Uh, he, uh, he was in uh, Florida. I think he was in here. He was in, in Florida. And uh, Wild Man Steve, he carried us down there thinking that we were going to conquer the world. And he carried us to Blacktown, and uh, the cast down there they wanted to hear BB King, ZZ Hill, and they did. You know, they were blues orientated, and we just had too much suave class trying to be smooth. And hey, it didn't quite. I mean, we were, we got over, but uh, it wasn't uh, a cup of tea. Anyway, we ended up uh, eating out the same chicken box, <laughs> full pieces. Ah. And, <laughs> and eight black dudes trying to eat <laughs> eat Colonel's chicken in a four, in a four piece box. I never forget that. <laughs> How, um, scuffle up and hustle up, and anyway, we found a cat named uh, Herb Myers, Worldwide Attractions, and he took us under his wing. And I know we were ended up at a place called the Castaways on Miami Beach. They finally gave us. Gave us a shot. Somebody gave us a shot down at the Castaway through her Myers. And uh, about a week later, uh, we scuffled and scrambled to try to stay alive. We were at a corp on the, on the causeway, the 79th Street Causeway called The Barn. They took us in. I think we were there for a couple of months. And the word got out that there was some, uh, some bad brothers from uh, Philadelphia calling themselves the Blue Notes. And then from the, the barn, we went to the Newport, which was on the beach, and we did the dunes. We did everything. That, we, we did it all. Uh, in fact, uh, we, 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 Jillies, Jillies. Uh, there was a Jillies North. There was a Jillies South. There was a Jillies West. Jillies North was in New York City. Jillies South was in Miami Beach. And Jillies West was in Los Angeles. We got uh, in the Jillies, and... Uh, that's where Frank, and he was doing a picture called The Detectives back in those days. Uh, he uh, used to hang in there. He was, he'd come in, and nobody, I fact, like I didn't know who he, I passed by him, I didn't know who the hell he was. And uh, I know, uh, I can remember different 
factions uh, uh, from all over the country, they come in and they'd fight and tear up the joint, and the next day it'd be all brand-new furniture like nothing that never happened. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I hit the $400 bill set like they were pennies. Uh, uh-huh. You know who I'm talking about, those guys. Anyway, uh, I remember the, the uh, Frank was doing a picture called The, the, the Detectives, and uh, it was being filmed, I think, in Miami. It was in Miami. And he used the band. He didn't use the singers for a segment, a club scene. In fact, I overslept. I missed it. But the uh, Hank Smith, uh, Cord Bell on bass, and uh, Hank uh, and Charlie Battle, they caught the scene. I think I overslept. I was hanging out or doing something else I shouldn't have been doing, and uh, I missed that. But they were in the um, in that movie, The Detectives, with Frank Sinatra. It's a bar scene. I don't know how long the scene was. I think I've seen it once or twice, but it's been years ago. Anyway, um, as they progressed, there was a guy named uh, Kenny Gamble and another guy named uh, Leon Huff. They were producing uh, in Philadelphia. They started out trying to make it into business, but they just didn't have to quit. So they said, let's produce some of this other town around town. Kenny Gamble, he was, uh, still is, uh, he married a chick named Dee Dee Sharp. She had a big head. What was her head? You Anybody remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dee Dee Sharp. Yeah, yeah, but oh, yeah. I forgot the name. Yeah. Anyway, we ended up, he would hire us. He hired us to do his wedding reception, but he, he, he wouldn't record us because he was involved with the intruders. Cowboys, the girls, and uh, I want to know your name. And anyway, they were doing very well with, with the intruders. Um, Kenny Gamble didn't really pay no attention to the Blue Notes until he heard uh, Teddy Pendergrass. He heard that voice. He couldn't. He, he, he couldn't get us. He couldn't get no sleep. He couldn't. He couldn't get us into the studio fast enough. Oh yeah. And uh, we they came up with the two and I miss you and the rest of it is uh, looking back, you know. <laughs> wow, amazing, amazing. Oh yeah, uh, I might have left out a few things uh, uh, yesterday when I did the interview with you guys. Uh, a few things that I said yesterday that I probably left out today, but hey, it's a long story, man. You know, I'd really have to sit down and take a day or two, maybe a week, maybe a <laughs> month. You know, After you uh, got the whole you know. history, you know, you said. Um, oh yeah. You you convinced was it you who said to uh, to Howell Melvin you know Teddy was playing the drums and he was going crazy yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah we had a horn section and uh, he was back there sweating and howling and uh, I said well damn uh, whatever he whatever he's uh, howling uh, uh, it, it sounds good you know it sounds different it had a different bite to it you know uh, uh, it was uh, ear catching. And, uh, oh, man, you know what you talk about. Uh, so I just kept bugging him and the person, hey, look, man, you need to listen to this guy. Once he heard him, he was off the drums. Immediately. Wow. <laughs> Immediately. Wow. And, uh, no, no. <laughs> your drumming days are over here, Teddy. You coming up front. Right. And uh, wow. that's uh, somewhat how, the, how, how that fell and, you know, uh, how, how that uh, he became a front man and the lead singer. And the best, uh, <clears throat> the, the most money-making uh, voice that the Blue Notes got, the first resurrection, the second resurrection, the third resurrection they ever had. Wow. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You were telling us, Rudy, um, Reggie was telling us yesterday, and I remember this, of all the groups that came in there, the groups, nobody made you laugh, except for the hot nuts, maybe. But nobody made you (laughs) laugh. Right. Like like Howell Melvin in the Blue Road. Yeah, well, see, when when, when uh, uh, we were on the road uh, prior to hits, we couldn't just go out in those nightclubs, uh, like if you work in Miami Beach and just sing uh, uh, a couple other people's songs without an act. You had to have an act. So uh, one of our acts was uh, we uh, duplicated uh, the Ed Sullivan show. Bernard uh, hmm. Wilson, he was pretty good at mimicking... Uh, Ed Sullivan, uh, Larry, he was uh, pretty good at mimicking Nat King Cole. Um, Harold, he was good at mimicking uh, Johnny Mathis. And uh, I was pretty good at uh, doing all the funny stuff, like Amos and Andy stuff, uh, uh, Amos uh, Calhoun, you know, from, from that era, you know. And uh, that's how we, uh, uh, I guess you would call it, Something close to Bill. We, we, we did it. We did skits, and uh, that's yep, how we I remember. Uh, maintained. Yeah, we maintained uh, the audience uh, in those days, and it was a car act that actually do do. Where like the guy uh, mimics going to get his car and going going to pick up his girlfriend, and uh, he gets out the car, and, they, and every time he takes a step, the, the bass drum would hit, and he knock on the door. And, and uh, the, 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 the imaginary chick would come out, and he'd put it in the car, and he'd drive off somewhere, and uh, he'd stop the car, and the drummer's doing all the, the mimicking uh, as he does the, 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 the gestures, and the guy tries to get fresh with the chick. He turns the music up loud, and he starts to drink, and then the more he drinks, the, the fresh he tried to get. Anyway, it ended up in a chaos, and uh, he had to run for his life. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was just one crazy, 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 crazy uh, holiday. Hey, Rudy, do you remember uh-huh. how they'd crack up the audience? Do you remember that? Yeah. Listen, uh, did you work uh, with the Blue Notes when they worked in Miami Beach at the Swinger Club? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that was oh, yeah. That was my club. I booked them there. Okay, well, uh, in fact, uh, did you, were you guys, like, open, like, up until, like, late in the morning, too? The Swingers. Yeah, that, that sounds familiar. Uh, 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 Herb Myers. Did that sound familiar to you? That's who was booking us back in those days. Worldwide Attractions? Herb Myers. They had a manager called Bernie, uh, 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 George Levine. Okay, well, that that, that sounds for me, too, because he was probably working with with Herb Myers. Uh, Oh, he was Was Teddy with us then? Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, That's why, uh, okay. That's probably why uh, I'm trying to... Hey man, like I said, it's been a while, and hey, whoo, you really got me going back. I have to dye my hair before well, I go well, to work tell tonight. Well, tell us about tell us about what you uh, remember about the Sugar Shack. Oh, the Sugar Shack. Oh, that's a uh, man. Okay, well, yeah, that's a, another horse. Uh, I know all the pimps were mad at us because <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't find their, they couldn't find their women. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, that was that was a like that was a rough ride. I see the captain. Hey man, you see my woman? He said, No man, you see mine? Uh, no. Uh, are the boots down? That's where the <laughs> that's where the I bet the the Danny that damn sugar shack and uh, we ain't gonna make a dime tonight. And guess what? That's where you were. <laughs> so we didn't have quite a, quite, you know, we weren't too popular with with, with with the guys in the platform shoes and the, and, the, and the pink suits and the pink Cadillacs and the yellow cars and the big hats and the feathers. Hey, uh, because uh, all the holes will stop working, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're taking that right off. <laughs> That's been set too well with the pimps. <laughs>
through the life that you live touring with such a famous group like that. Me and Tom were talking about that yesterday after over a sandwich going, imagine what he must reminisce about at night, you know, when he's thinking, man, my life just touring everywhere, with just being in every place with big stars like that. Just amazing what you must reminisce. That's that's pretty cool. Oh man, I you know I I, I uh, I'm with a little group now called the Boston Soul Review. I've been with them for about ten years. They don't have a clue as to oh. uh, you know where I've been. You know when you got cats like Count Basie, Duke Ellington, right. uh, what was it? If I did what's the guy's name? I can't forget his name. The the singer. What, what was that? Oh God. Uh, when you have the cal- that, that that caliber of people that are giants, you know, have been giants, uh, audience, coming yeah. to see, you know, coming to coming to see you, Sarah Vine, uh, right? What's the singer's name uh, that I, I mentioned yesterday? I can't think of his name. Um, Billy Eckstein. Yeah, yeah, Eckstein. Yeah, Eckstein. I, I remember he came. Uh, he, he came to the, he came to the Newport. I remember trying to run off the table. He was arrogant, son of a bitch, too. Uh, <laughs> I missed the Oh, yeah. Uh, he looked at me like, uh, now he sat there and watched the audience, I mean, watched the show, and he was in awe. Went over to the table. Uh, it was like I was uh, a waiter or some shit, you know? What the hell, man, you know? And uh, I, I'm serious. I never forgot that arrogant son of a bitch. He, he, you know, he was, you know, and I loved all this stuff because, I, I, you know, I, as, I, as I be a child, my, my, my parents, they bought his records, you know, uh, he was just yeah. crude, rude, you know. Uh, he was drunk, too. Yeah, yeah, But he sat there, and uh, I guess he couldn't believe his eyes, you know, because uh, at one time, he, the four tops did sing behind him, too, you know. Well, years ago, he, uh, he uh, had, a, had a quartet with the four tops. Or they were the backup singers at one time or another. You know, I'd, I'd read somewhere. But uh, yeah. when I, I know we all, we, we, we all like, went over to the table, and it was like we was uh, well, um, it was like we were waiters or something. We were, we were acknowledging him, and when we were in the Bahamas, we were at the Bahama Presses at one time, and uh, I didn't know that. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Bernie said, "Hey man, Count Basie is in the audience." I said, "Oh man, get out of here!" <laughs> when I was in the audience, there he was sitting up there watching the Blue Notes, him and his wife. <laughs> wow! wow. <laughs> yeah. In the, the club hall, I'm in Atlantic City. I forget what year. We were back in the '60s. Uh, this is before Teddy. Uh, Duke Ellington was peeping around the corner. He didn't want nobody to see him. He was peeping around the corner with his tongue hanging out. Damn, these cats are good. <laughs> these cats, these, 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 these cats are cooking because he still had that 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 that. that uh, that 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 jive talk, you know, from the from the twenties and the thirties, you know, and these 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 cats is cooking, man. Uh, well, what's their name? Yeah. The Blue. Anyway, the, there's a picture. If I could find it, boy, I'm gonna tell you something. It'd be, it'd be like gold. It would be like the eighteen hundreds for me. If I get my hands on that picture, I, I had the picture. I loved it in the fire, and uh, everybody that I called. In fact, Harold Mother's son, when the last one of the times I was in Philadelphia, he said, "Man, do you have that picture? You and Dad." You, uh, with, with Duke Ellington, I said no. I, I got I, mine got burnt up in the fire, and some of the other cats that uh, were with us at that time, the original cats, uh, they don't have it. 
Claude Bell might have it. I don't know where the hell he's up in New England somewhere. I don't know where he, whatever happened to him. He was our old bass bass player. Charlie, he's deceased. Charlie Battles, he was the original drummer with Hal Marvin. Hank Smith, he went with Tavares. I don't know where he's at now. He's somewhere in Boston. He's still around. Hank Smith. Interesting. Anybody out there know where Hank Smith is at? Uh, wow. We'll, we'll, we'll try to look at that. Tell Hank to call Reggie. Absolutely. <laughs> soon, soon, we'll find out. Hank Smith, he was our guitar player that left the Blue Notes and went with uh, uh, Chubby the Turnpikes who turned into Tavares. Hank Smith, uh-huh. I sure like to speak Hank to Hank Smith. Smith. Hank Smith, yeah. if you're out there listening, give us a call. Anybody that uh, know Hank Smith? Yeah, everybody calls him Hank, Hank Smith. He was bartending around a little bit, but uh, I don't know where he's at. Anybody seen Hank? Tell Hank to. Hank Smith, have you seen <laughs> Hank? Hank you know there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Now, Hank, um, really, what did it feel I'm like when? Song from the Blue Notes. Can we play a song? Can we play something? Yeah, we're gonna do that. But I want to. Uh, in fact, I, I know which one I'm gonna play. What did it feel like when well, Gamble and Hoff they wrote uh, the Love I Lost? What did it feel like the first time you ever played that? I know. Yeah. Um. Uh. It was. Uh. It was. Well, I've been in out of love. But I guess I was. I was. You know. Uh, it was a tune that I can relate. I can relate to it personally. You know. You know. Uh, in fact. Uh, Sometimes I I throw the stuff on and uh, I uh, sit up like a, like a teenager. It's seventy five years old, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I'm serious, man. And uh, I, I I still you know hey I I I, I think like a kid, you know. You see yeah. me? Yeah, you know? it must have been. I mean, you must have blown your mind when you guys finally put that together, right? Oh man, shoot! Uh, it was like bingo. <laughs> you know, with a bunch of old ladies, <laughs> and you won a thousand dollars that night. <laughs> you know, tell did me you, about did it. Did you? I mean, once you once you did it, you must have known you had a hit, right? Uh, I didn't think that uh, it was going to be as big as, as it was. In fact, that's the biggest record that they had. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. that was that was that, that, it. Went pop. You know, everybody loses a love. You know, yeah. So that oh, tune, that tune. Uh, uh, that tune, uh, it uh, reached it reached in everybody's memory bank, or lifestyle, or somebody who had who had experienced losing a love. Uh, it could have been uh, somebody that passed. You know, they could have took it that way, or it could have been uh, an, uh, a love experience. So it it, it 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 just it fit somebody's situation. You know. Yeah. That's the way of putting that. You know, well, I keep quoting uh, yeah. you think, I will never, no, no, never, love again. You know something? You're right, Billy. Let's play that. Because I think, didn't you have, you had a, there, there was a solo in there, wasn't there? Did you? Did, did, no, 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 there's no solo. Be for real. It's horn section. It's a horn section line. Uh, right. The group I'm with now in Boston Soul Review, I put a solo in the way that they they do it. In fact, we're playing tonight. No, who am I playing with now? I'm playing with James Brown Wannabe tonight. (laughs) Really? (laughs) James Brown Wannabe. It was Newton Square, O'Reilly's, give me the club. Jesus. Kelly O'Reilly's. 
Yeah, Tippy Hill Rollins. That's what I'm getting ready to do. Where is that? It's in uh, Newton Center. Newton Center? Yeah, right, right, right across from the uh, the Green Line stop. Yeah, Tippy Hill Rollins. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to play Love I Lost. Here we go. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Hang on. She was a good love She was a sweet love But I had her right here in my hand Thought I had her all to myself
guess what? Guess guess what? Uh, Go ahead. You know what you just you know what you just you know what you just played? What's you that? played Howl Melvin's Blue Notes. That's his wife's group. Did you get that copy from Skippy? No, no. I I found that on the internet. But guess what? That's not the original guys. That's not Teddy. That's not Teddy. That oh, that's that after was, Teddy. Yeah, that's that's that that's the group that his wife put together. It's called oh, they call them okay. Howard Melville's Blue Notes. Oh, okay. okay. If it don't say Howard Melvin and the Blue Notes, it ain't Howard Melvin and the Blue Notes, right? Interesting. <laughs> so that's so you were part of that. Notes. Wow, wow. See, those guys, those that guys, those guys, got some good shops too. <laughs> oh yeah, his name is his name is Axel. They're all from Philly. You know, I went to yeah. Philly a few. I was I went to Philly. Uh, I was I down there a couple of summers ago, and uh, they were on the show, and uh, that's where I met Hal Melvin's son, looking for that picture of uh, uh, when you saw me. Uh, that picture of his father and me and the guy uh, with Duke Ellington, and uh, wow. Hal Melvin's doing those the guys you just played. Uh, was on the show with Billy Paul. And the Howell was Blue Notes, and I forget who else. Another local somebody that gambling they had gambling up had, and uh, when they saw me, I laughed my ass off because they thought I was a ghost. <laughs> you know, I'm wow. Uh, they saw me. They, everybody shuddered. Damn, Reggie's here. Hey man, that, like a hush came over the place. Even Billy Paul, he stopped. He said, "Damn man." Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Now, who's the remaining? There's one remaining uh, member of that group. Yeah, uh, uh, he was the, he was the last to come with with, with, with the vocals uh, with the vocal point. Uh, 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 Lloyd Parks. Yeah, Lloyd. Lloyd. We interviewed yeah. Lloyd. Yeah, we interviewed yeah. Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah, Lloyd. Uh, um, in fact, uh, well, okay, I was wondering if you need his number. You you, you already you, you already talked to him. No problem. Yeah, Lloyd. Lloyd yeah, yeah, we got. So I mean, Lloyd when you hear that song, I'm sorry we played the wrong version, but when you <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> when uh, you but, hear... they, 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 oh yeah, uh, in fact, they 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 they're uh, pretty good, but that that's not Teddy. That's his name is Atkins. I forget I forget his first name. Uh, yeah, and the the, the guy got some chops. Uh, he can he can wail. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He, he, about the closest thing to Teddy that uh, I've heard, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, I have to give it to him. And, uh, you know, now, when they, you they, hear they, they respect me, huh? When you hear that, I mean, I'm, again, we played the wrong version, but it must still give you the. Did, did you ever get tired of that? You must. Have, I mean, I can't understand. I could never get tired of that song. That that had song no, had so much no, energy. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, uh, like I said, the guys that uh, I play with now, Boston Soul Review, uh, they make sure that they do their song every show that I do with them. You know. Uh, in fact, wow. they, yeah. they, just, they, they feature me, you know. Uh, wow. When uh, they, uh, they, I guess they they consider themselves blessed to a degree, you know, that uh, they got me, and uh, <laughs> that puts their price up a little, you know. <laughs> uh, I'll be with them. And uh, where do you guys where do you guys play at currently? Where, where do you currently play at? Where can I come to? Uh, well, we the, the, the Boston Soul Review. Yeah. Yes. We went Pocari's out there in the Saugus. We just left here on the... Pocari's? Oh, you play... That's uh, that's Rudy's friend, Pocari. 
John from yeah, Tyler. Uh, yeah, I was just up there Thursday with Don, listening to Dennis Taylor. He's saying amazing on Thursday okay, night. We, 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 we were there on January 23rd. Uh, it was, I think it was a snowy night, but uh, we had a nice turnout. We, we've been doing that place for the last few years. I think it changed owners a couple of times or what have you, or, uh, put different people in. I don't know how that works out here. I, I don't bother to get into that business. But uh, I've seen, like, different faces there that uh, be fronting the place or whatever, you know. Well, we'd like yeah. to come up. Billy and I will come out some night and see you. Yeah, I live in Saugus, okay. so it's like right around the corner from my house. I go up there quite a bit in Bulgari. They have a lot of good entertainment there. So far this, this year with Boston Soul Reviewers, I'll be with them. All I got down here is weddings, May, June, July, September. Uh, they, they haven't filled in the dates. Uh, I don't do the can tab with them. I, I did, uh, and the, the, the guy at the can tab, uh, we don't quite, quite see eye to eye. I played out there. I played the can tab with little Joe Cook. You guys remember little Joe Cook? Hmm. I don't, I don't, out, do you remember peanuts. Rudy, little Joe Cook? Joe Cook, uh-oh, 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 peanuts. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, the peanut man. He, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little Joe Cook. I did it. Well, Reggie, thank you so much for the past two days. You've added so much history hereby. I'm glad we've got this recorded. Uh, it, yeah, you know, yeah. you bring us back through time. Well, guess what? God bless. I'm still in time. Glad I'm still here. Glad I'm still here. Hey, appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it, uh, yeah. you know, uh, being recognized. You know, that's what's important to me. And uh, continued success. And I hope this package comes together good. Because I can't wait to see me, and I'll give you a number and an address where you can put the check in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say this, Rudy, you will not believe how Reggie showed up. Yes, he looked like he was right out of central casting. He couldn't have looked at him. He was a blue note and a blue suit. He was laying it down like a blue note. Hey, man, okay, every day is Sunday. I dress like that every day. Yeah, oh, man, you, you, you were styling. I'm styling. Hey, man, where you going? I say, I'm going to the store. <laughs> right across the street. <laughs> I might stop in the street to skip you for a couple of minutes. Yeah, there, you know, man. you walked in, dude, uh, and I said, that's the shack right there. That is the shack. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I don't even know what dungarees are. I, 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 I don't even know. Ain't no dunking reason in my closet. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's just beautiful. You know, and I'm sitting here thinking, how much if we could afford it? How much? Rudy, you too. What would you pay to go back to a couple of nights at the Sugar Shack? Hey, you can come to the Boston. When next time the Boston Soul Review is playing, I'm going to call you and let you know, and uh, we'll put you back there. That's about the closest thing I love it. that I've seen to the uh, – well, I feel comfortable. I feel my comfort zone – well, then with Boston Soul Review. But uh, like Boston I said, the only thing that I have on the uh, schedule so far this year with them is uh, weddings and all of that's private. But you guys will be the first to know uh, if you guys are around each other or whatever uh, when we're doing something that's, uh, you know, uh, public and a, a, a venue that's uh, worthy of, uh, you know, you guys coming, okay? All right. Thank you so much. We're going to be in touch, and you're going to see – when we put this together, of course, you're going to be able to see it and uh, see yourself go down in history because we're going to make sure that this documentary is worthy of the Library of Congress. God bless. Okay, that's all right. Thank you that's so much. Good. 
Thank hey, man, wow. see you guys well. Stay, stay, stay in touch. Stay in touch. Yeah, we will. Yes, Reggie, thank you so much, my friend. See you later, Rudy. Wow. Hey, Rudy. Yeah. Wow, what a, what uh, a day, Rudy. huh?